Hi, everyone. Master Jedi Colleen here, co-host of Bohemian Geek Studies and yet another Star Wars podcast. But I'm not only a podcaster, I'm also an author. My second novel was published last fall, and it debuted as number one horror novel on Amazon, which was really cool. If you like Stephen King, weird happenings in small towns, or just looking for a new writer, give my novel The Falls a try. It's set in Minnesota, where everyone wears that nice facade. Nothing is ever what it seems. Find The Falls by Colleen McMillan on Amazon and the Between the Lines publishing website. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That's the year Justice League, a Midsummer Nightmare came out. Apparently, Kyle Rayner stole some pages that told the future and uh, it messed everything up. But it lets the Justice League. <laughs> I almost thought you meant that the Justice League, the Shakespeare, and I was just like, souls, take all of my money. <laughs> That's what they should have done. Instead, they had to chase around Kyle Rayner because he's stealing pages that don't belong to him. <laughs> but why are we talking about Kyle Rayner and the rest of the Justice League? Because today we have the best ever episodes of Static Shock. At least, I don't know. They're, they're decent. Uh, t- tied with Shaq. Tied, tied with Shaq. Shaq. Yeah, tied with Shaq. Because today we're covering episodes six and seven of season three of Static Shock titled A League of Their Own. This is a two-parter. This is the first two-parter episode in the Static Shock series. It's an extension of what's happened in the season two premiere with uh, Static first meeting Batman. And then again in season three, season three's premiere with Static and Batman teaming up once again. So now in this time around, Static and Gear make their way to meet up with not only Batman, but the entire, well, well, probably like six of the seven Justice League members. Everybody else was on vacation in Colorado that week. <laughs> so we got our majority of our cast of Static coming back. Mainly we have Static and Gear present, as well as um, a couple other villains in the beginning of it. But most importantly, we have a set of special guests. We have Kevin Conroy returning as Batman. Carl Lumbly, after basically voicing a Nazi in our previous episode, 
Um, he is here today as Martian Manhunter, the character that he has voiced for many, many years. We got Phil Lamar. I know that name sounds familiar because he is he is also playing Static, but he also doubles as Green Lantern John Stewart. Very excited for this early stage of this like dual work that he's doing here. Marie Canals, you may know her as number one reporter of in Dakota, Shelley Sandoval, but today we hear her in her most iconic voiceover role as Shaira Saunders Hall, aka Hot Girl, not Bootleg Hot Girl, the original Hot Girl. Oh yeah, we got the real one. Yes. <laughs> And finally, we have from season one, Trapper's voice artist Michael Rosenbaum returns for his superhero role as The Flash. And yes, this is, if I can remember correctly, the time that this came out in 2003 would have been around the same time that Michael Rosenbaum was also playing Lex Luthor on Smallville. So he's The Flash. Oh, that that opens some doors for you, dude. (laughs) If, If you guys don't know, there's a joke on Justice League where Lex takes over Flash's body and takes off the mask and is like, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> when he's trying to get a secret identity. So that, that oh God, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, so now that we've opened up Andrew's third eye here about <laughs> this deep cut in DC knowledge, it's time to jump into the plot of our two-parter episode here, A League of Their Own. Yeah, John's just sitting around. John Jones, Martian Manhunter, he's just sitting around chilling. Nothing really going down, except the fact that they just recently defeated brainiac i don't know what the timeline crossover is yeah i i think i figured it out i think i figured it out so in season two of the original justice league series their premiere dealt with brainiac so i'm assuming it takes place at that point mainly because of the styles that they have May i'm mainly basing this on that hot girl um you know what? I can say this because it's just, it's been like 20, 30 years since this episode has dropped. Hawkgirl found out she was actually a traitor this entire time. And she lost her mask. She lost her mace. She didn't have the style she had when she was where, like how she looked in Justice League Unlimited. So this for me confirmed that this is a Justice League episode because she had the mask and the green, yellowish. Uh, I don't know what other colors. Mainly she had the uh, she had the mace. And the mask. That was really what confirmed that this is a, I think, post-season two premiere of Justice League, the animated series. Okay. So timeline-wise, they're they're a good team, but they're not the AA team they turn out to be later on. <laughs> uh, so they're analyzing the last piece of Brainiac, and they helpfully remind those who don't know, if this guy gets near so much as an MP3 player, it's pretty much game over for society. Brainiac is a crazy technological villain. So it's the worst case scenario when they're hit by a, uh, an electric... Uh, what, what is this? this I don't, cosmic I don't think, yeah, it was called a cosmic string. I don't think this is real. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the way it looked, it looked like a random piece of string like was just floating through space that was just illuminated. And they were saying that it's more powerful than a solar flare which to me just seems wild so that they just threw this in here and just walked away all right i'm gonna call neil degrasse tyson real quick and i'm gonna have him confirm whether this is a thing but while he's not taking my call we find out that (laughs) batman sent flash around to expect any damage and martian manhunter calls him around for being too fast because Flash misses that 
their electric core is damaged. And though he offers to light it up, Batman's like, we need a little bit more subtlety. And he decides to, to pull out static out of the lineup and on a computer screen while also queuing up some impressive music to go with static. <laughs> You really blow them away. Batman's <laughs> probably a whiz at PowerPoint. I'm I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> so now we take a trip down to Dakota. They're in Dakota. Static and Gear are facing off against an ambush of some sort that was organized by Puff. Uh, Puff has teamed back up with Onyx. She's also um, has Francis join alongside her, and we have the number one villain of all time. Carmen Dillo, who it seems get, is getting much respect in this one because uh, at one point, Francis is just like, you always had trouble trying to beat any one of us individually. And I was just like, wait, hold on a minute. Did you just say that Carmen Dillo gave Static a run for his money? Yeah, I'm telling They formed the Sinister Six and <laughs> they were like, you know who needs to be in here? Carmen Dillo, because otherwise it just falls apart. But they call themselves the Meta Men. Yeah, <laughs> like all uh, right, yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to give them the Meta Men some credit, Static and Richie were actually having a little trouble with these all at once. But before they can really get into it, the Justice League rolls in, and it is a slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> this thing wraps up so quick. Martian Manhunter and Batman just like walk on over the static as this is all going down because they're like, oh yeah, they got it. It's, it's totally fine. Like, we're good. <laughs> Batman does take a specific new tool he has to take out Hot Shriek instantly. Just to, <laughs> just to show static like, this can be done in minutes. Like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> as they are now talking with, with um, the Justice League are talking with static and gear. They're telling them that, hey, we have an emergency. You need to go with us right now to the watchtower. So they take the javelin and they fly on up to the watchtower where static and gear are just like basically like geeking out over the entire experience. But that joy gets completely cut short as they find out that static is really only here to provide some more energy to their, to the watchtower's core. And all gear can do is just sit in the corner as he just waits. And he's reprimanded a lot in this episode mainly by hot girl which i love uh hot girl and a couple other members of justice league are telling gear that he needs to sit in the corner uh, even to the point where when gear tried to take out his camera to try to take a picture without them noticing uh green lantern walks in and takes the camera and pulls it away from him which is such a cool moment to me because it's just like come on gear like this is the big leagues now. Like you can't be acting like a little kid, but I would do definitely do the same thing. Oh yeah, I w- I was very uh, entertained by GL just willing to yeet gear on site. <laughs> like, <laughs> what you're not supposed to be here. And um, I think we also have to draw attention to the static shades, which are introduced in this episode, where Static <laughs> puts on a special <laughs> pair of, of shades. Maybe they were Ray Bans uh, to uh, while he's messing around with the power core. And so, luckily, this is pretty standard stuff for Static. Everything gets recharged, but the Justice League gets a distress call, 
And as they're going off to this distant planet for a distress call, we are reminded that earlier during the power outage, Brainiac did leap from his containment to a computer. So now, even though Static and Gear think they're alone in the watchtower and they're just babysitting, actually, they are trapped inside there with Brainiac. They first notice it when Static sees this random image on the TV that he comments looks like a face. This is while they're chilling in the, the watchtower, looking out in space, eating a pizza. Which is funny because like gear the entire time has his full mask off. And I would just I would have assumed that maybe he created his mask in a way that it rolls up so he can eat. But anyway, uh, as they see this face, this is when shit starts happening basically in the watchtower. The door leading to actual space space has opened for some reason and now has take is basically pulling them outside so gear and static have to try to put all their effort into trying to get to different rooms and try to hit the 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 button so they can close the door unfortunately they are unable to first go around to do it but luckily with the help of backpack and just some quick thinking they were able to hack into the system to close the door where they get introduced to um I want to say this is like a prototype of Tony Stark's Iron Legion from Age of Ultron. Because uh, it's this random robot that pops up to help them clean up. Oh, yeah. So they have this, this cleaning robot that has all the functionality and is dusting them off from the pizza crumbs of that DiGiorno pizza they had. And Brainiac decides to, you know, formally introduce himself. And he quickly lets him know that his MO is the same. He wants to absorb the Earth's knowledge and then blow that up. Which, I mean, if you got all of the Earth's knowledge, and especially like 4chan or something, I, I can understand where you would just go, you know what, never mind. Never mind with this planet. <laughs> and Static is wondering... Why is Brainiac giving them all the details? He, you know, he's he created the false distress call. They find out he's about to destroy Earth. Why do this? And Virgil's like, oh, yeah, because he's distracting us. And they turn around and they realize the cleaning robot has a buzzsaw attachment for some reason. <laughs> there are so many questions that I had about that because it was just like, what? kind of cleaning does this robot do now it makes me afraid of ever buying a Roomba oh yeah <laughs> it has a saw attachment definitely <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, luckily though Virgil is able to leap out the way in a really cool leap in a really cool scene very actiony as they are now trying to run away from the robot they were able to take down the first one but then they get introduced to what Static calls the shack size robot. <laughs> <laughs> they just make it too easy for us. <laughs> so even though the shack size robot doesn't have long range, just like the real shack on the free throws, he does get enclosed. <laughs> and for a second, it almost looks like they're done. But luckily, Richie's backpack comes with that Iron Man laser and slices through these metal cables, and they're able to get away. They instantly decide they got to let the Justice League know. And although the transmission is a little foggy, luckily Green Lantern has the power we all wish we had in the 90s and early 2000s. He can fix the radio, 
Yo. with his power ring. Because <laughs> if you've never had to deal with an antenna going wrong on you, trust this is a superpower. So as they get the signal, the Justice League basically pull a Yui here and head on back to the Watchtower. Static and Gear are trying to avoid this ro- giant robot as best as possible. And now we see that the and they got there really quick too. Like the, the I never knew this, but like apparently they can open up a wormhole with the javelin and just like do some crazy space travel. I guess they were prototype boom tubes. Oh yeah, maybe. But it does raise the question of how did it take them so quick to get back when <laughs> they were clearly gone for a very long time? Right. Traffic cosmic gateways that you can only portal so far. I don't know. But they get back pretty quick. And there's two things I love right away about this the space scene. One is the song. You want to play rough? Okay. You want to say tough? Okay. (laughs) Great fight scene song. And then Brainiac has taken over the floating watchtower in space. So the Justice Leaguers decide we got to take the fight to Brainiac. And of course, Green Lantern and Hawk Girl can do it with just putting on some spacesuits. But Batman goes full Batman Beyond and jetpacks himself into space <laughs> to fight a, a satellite with just batarangs. Like, why? Batman is the coldest hero out there. Like, come on. By any means necessary, <laughs> even if it's not logical, by any means necessary. Stay in the jet, Batman. Some flash out there. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know there are so many questions. Batman is too willing to throw himself into the battle, especially because the ship had more weapons. <laughs> but as they are fighting the giant satellite Brainiac that's there, Static and Gear are inside. They are being held captive right now by the shack-sized robot. However, this is a really cool skill that we learned that uh, Static has as he we see that he's able to control the speed of his of this flying disc to the point where he can give the robot like a no guard fade. Um, so now that they were able to break away there, they head on over to the power core, the main, main power core. And this is where Static jumps in. He starts trying to drain the power, but instantly gets caught by Brainiac and one of the mechanical tentacles. So now Gear has to use his magnificent powers of knowledge of Napster and LimeWire to shut this shit down. And I love it. I was going to say that his plan is genius. He makes Brainiac download the same song countless a number of times to Mm -hmm. slow down his system which absolutely would have worked in the 2000s. However, I do think if he had downloaded LimeWire and tried to download a single thing, Brainiac would have gotten a virus that would have killed him instantly. (laughs) So I have to think they were just showing mercy for an AI because LimeWire would have done the job in minutes. (laughs) Where you download one song and you lose... (laughs) All your parents' taxes. For- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think actually, you know what? I'd rather lose the watchtower than I would try to lose my parents' taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like you said, fortunately it worked at this point. 
the Justice League are still fighting outside. They're commenting on the fact that like this is legit how they're winning by um, having DJ Static and DJ Gear on the ones and twos here. And this gives Static an opportunity to once again jump in and completely drain the power core because the plan was that for everything that he put into the power core, he needed to take it back out. And luckily enough, Martian Manhunter, he was able to phase in right at that moment to see them put this plan into action. So he really gave them the credit for basically saving the universe here. Yeah, and he does so with the latest slang because we know Martian Manhunter is black. So, uh, (laughs) so happy Black History Month. Oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) not just on weekends, he is black. And, uh, you know, he, when they're wrapping up, he says, like, oh, yeah, that was very fat indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And, you know, the episode initially seems to wrap up pretty nicely. They go back to Earth. They take a group photo. And things seem pretty, pretty good. But we're reminded this is about to be a two-parter. Because now that we're at the gas station of Solitude, Virgil's heading home. He's running a little late, so he's just frantically trying to pack everything up. And Richie is, um, you know, doing his due diligence as putting in the the mission reports and shutting things down, making sure that no lights are on so we can save some money on the Con Ed bill. But as he heads on over to shut down Backpack, Backpack just starts attacking him. And that's where it was revealed that Brainiac, during the battle, before... Um, crashing due to the the download of LimeWire, he was he downloaded himself into Backpack, and that leads us to a very ominous ending to part one of our League of Their Own episode. Oh yeah, and it's a great cliffhanger. I can't imagine waiting a week for this yeah. in, in in childhood, but luckily we had to wait until HBO Max downloaded the next episode, which was pretty instant. And we we found out that the Justice League is on to Brainiac. They know that he completed at least one download. So the Justice League sends Flash down. And what I love about this interaction is that Flash is like, I'm on it. And he races away and he's like, mm, what does is, what is gear look like? <laughs> like? I didn't catch him without the helmet. And... They reveal the footage earlier at plays of him taking off his helmet to eat the pizza. <laughs> Flash knows who to find. And while he's on the way to find, Flash makes a very important stop. <laughs> I do want to go back real quick because when um when Batman pointed out to Flash who Gear was, part of me was just like, I'm sorry, was did we expect that Flash was gonna mix mistake gear and static? I mean, have you have you seen them? <laughs> hey, Flash doesn't see color. He's too fast. <laughs> but yeah, you know, now that Flash knows what Richie looks like, he's heading on around. He stops by. He sees somebody that looks kind of like him, but it isn't him. Um, he also stops to hit on the ladies, of course, because this is the Wally West Flash. We know it's a very much a ladies' man here. So. Luckily, though, he's finally able to find Richie on that iconic scooter of his that somehow is still going. Um, So as he's talking with him, he's like noticing that Richie seems a bit off, very standoffish compared to the 
to the year who was like very excited to um to be with the justice league just in the previous episode and there is also a moment too where we see that richie has several interactions earlier on in the episode that just make him seem very distant and cold so flash decides to go along with richie because richie tells him that um he his backpack is at the abandoned gas station of solitude which they as they head on over to flash just starts clowning the abandoned gas station of solitude like he acting like richie and static got money yeah <laughs> not like he has a flash face like right <laughs> <laughs> Sorry guys, but the show only on the show does Flash have access to Star Labs as his personal playground slash extra place of work. They never really clarify that. But yeah, he's broken <laughs> in Spider-Man, yo. Like we're <laughs> gonna need you to calm down there, Mr. Flash. Unfortunately, even while he can clown the base, he can't clown the backpack because it is fast enough to sneak up on him and essentially capture Flash. And Flash can't even wiggle out of it with his super speed. He He's stuck in there. So after Flash gets captured, Justice League sneaks up on Virgil while he's in the gas station of Solitude. The entire Justice League, not just Batman. I... I I like I know how Batman and Martian Manhunter did it, but could you imagine like Hawkgirl like putting her wings on silent, carrying that <laughs> heavy mace? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm calling shenanigans. <laughs> but they get in and they say, you know, something's off. And upon Virgil calling Richie, it's very obvious that Richie is off. And I think Batman is like, let's go into the trap. He's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, yeah, they head on over to this abandoned steel mill, I think it was. A very nice looking place, though. I legit yeah. thought it was a house, like a like a Bel Air mansion. And I was just like, okay, I mean, this I guess this is a rebuild stuff. But um, as they are walking in, it's like the first thing that happens is that they notice little things that are are just like little signals for them, knowing that like, hey, we're walking into a trap. And then Static turns on the lights and they see the extensive building that Richie has been doing to which Green Lantern comments on is just like, yo, there's no way a high school student is doing this. And I was just like, yes, Green Lantern, we have thought the same thing this entire time throughout this entire series. As they see everything, this is when Flash, he makes his appearance and they're questioning him. It's like, yo, what? Um, where have you been? What happened? And Flash just gives everybody a Brainiac Gold Star here as they all get these little discs on their chest that puts them under the control of Brainiac. But fortunately for Static, in a callback to that um, Attack of the Living Brain Puppets episode, but done much better here, to be honest, they state that his um, natural electrical field short-circuited the device, so that is why that static is unable to be mind controlled by the device that flash put onto him yeah i do i do love that little detail um that he that nobody else in the justice league is immune but static Mm -hmm. uh and i assume black lightning would also if y'all would have invited him (laughs) would have taken care of this but that's neither here nor there and (laughs) (laughs) in any case he tries to reach out to Richie and Richie can only say control that's that's it that's the only thing he can manage to get out but he is possessed again by Brainiac and 
now he has static has five justice leaguers on his tail and i gotta admit what if i was in this situation i'd be like well that's it for me then <laughs> but static does the smartest thing which is to take flight because only well three of them can fly only one of them can fly as fast as static can with his you know electric powers so um, automatically he is isolating one person at a time which is exactly how to do it and the first person he has to worry about is hawk girl the real one (laughs) (laughs) yeah because she was ready with that mace like she was she came through and fortunately for static he's able to he has he's quite agile like i forget this and i'm really glad to see that this this two-parter kind of really showed it because like when he was first facing off against the robot he was able to jump out of the way of the buzz buzzsaw and now this time around he's able to um as he's flying he's able to actually pull a out is it still a u-turn if it if it curves the not like a u but in the <laughs> opposite way like he's still moving forward but then goes backward i don't know but he's able to pull that off and is able to tag um hawk girl on the back shorting out hers batman he's able to grab the um the grapple line and send the electrical current up that way with uh with john he's able to despite john being intangible he's able to still create a strong enough electrical pulse that knocks out the device but the only one that does give him a bit of run for his money is green lantern and I love this moment because, again, Phil Lamar is voicing both characters. So to see two of his, like, characters go into a fight, is just, and having that dual work of going back and forth is just so cool. Oh, yeah. And I, I do have to mention quick Flash. His encounter with Flash, I love. Oh, right. Um, I forgot about him. <laughs> his static tries to escape by going above water, which, you know, is already a dangerous prospect for him. Mm-hmm. And... Then when Flash is chasing him on a bridge, Static uses his Static Cling to magnetize the bridge and get Flash stuck, which is, I mean, again, thinking of things I would never imagine of thinking in this situation. And it does lead up to that climactic battle against Green Lantern. But before that, too, just like with that Static fight, um, so one thing I think we missed was just like Static has the most baller theme song in this oh, in this yeah. in this episode. And what they did at that moment is as you can hear Flash's um theme song playing as he's chasing down static, as he starts to slow down, um the song that plays for Flash also slows down. And it's just like really cool to have that just working alongside what's happening because it's just like, you know, it's it's also surprising that every single Justice League person has gotten like a, a major theme song change in this episode. Oh yeah, I'm telling you, Bigfoot was working overtime to give everybody the theme song they deserved. And yeah, so as as everything's ramping up, he goes electricity versus the Green Lantern ring. And Green Lantern Ring wins out. He's just, he can't beat the power of John Stewart's will. And Static seems to be defeated, but it turns out it was a feint. He did have more juice, and but he uses it to get a sneak attack on Green Lantern, which also doesn't work. 
Yeah, but fortunately for him, the rest of the Justice League were able to regroup after removing the the mind control devices and Green Lantern gets hit in the back of the head with the mace. Um, a little worried about it here, but according to Hawkgirl, we were assured that it was just a tap, uh, though it did sound like he basically ran through a wall. So, Yeah, it sounded like he got... <laughs> it, it sounded like a Negan Walking Dead situation where he was just hit by that bat and was not coming back. But he gets back up and he's like, let's get down to business. Love how he says it. And as they approach the abandoned steel mill Elon Musk factory, I presume, they find out they're a little late because Brainiac has built a big on the on brand Brainiac ship and is about to is headed towards to Dakota to absorb all the data and destroy them. And although Static wants to go in, Jon Stewart immediately uses the barrier. Love the Green Lantern ring sound, by the way. I love mm -hmm. the sound that thing makes. And Eric Sabarian says, Static, you're too close to this. You can't, you can't come along. So the Justice League goes on to take on Brainiac, who is destroying the power lines and ruining everybody's HBO experience. And Static <laughs> has to stay behind and make sense of Richie's last word, control. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, those, without those power lines, you can't watch HBO Max. It's important. <laughs> I mean, was Brainiac the reason why the season premiere of Euphoria last didn't start on time? <laughs> because I think so. <laughs> I think he had something to do with it. He downloaded it too many times. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So while Brainiac stops me from watching Space Jam 2 again, <laughs> he the rest of the, the the rest of the Justice League, they take a javelin ship, they are able to fly it into the eye of Brainiac ship, while at the same time Static heads on over to the abandoned gas station the Solitude to find the remote control, because he realizes that that's what Richie's talking about. And now this is a very high action fast paced scene i there's a lot of cool moments of just like fighting with the justice league that we saw here like them because what ends up happening is that as they enter into brainiac ship they uh flash runs ahead he ends up going right to the control room where he sees brainiac standing there now being powered by backpack and as he heads back the brainiac creates i guess like um digital versions of himself or like... yeah some like molt some like robots that appear to like almost melt out of the ship mm -hmm. into these fully formed beings and they are pretty powerful uh they all the justice league is has their hands full though i do have to love batman trying to kick these robots <laughs> like, <laughs> like normally yeah man but here i no i don't there's not much you can do with a kick and again, flash <laughs> again by any means necessary no matter how illogical it is look if he's got some bombs in his kicks i, I maybe <laughs> but it, it didn't work and flash tries to vibrate himself out of the situation mm. but that doesn't work either so now it's up to static who comes in so cool Surrounds himself because the Justice League has ended in a Green Lantern spear. So 
Static comes in with the electric bubble to f- go into Brainiac's main ship. And now when they all meet up, Batman's like, all right, we need to get confront Brainiac in his control room. Luckily, I have approximately one million pounds of C4 on me at all times. <laughs> he learned from Osable. He <laughs> had the bomb already lit, ready to go no matter what. <laughs> so as they enter into the control room, Batman and Static, they are unfortunately immediately grabbed by Brainiac's mechanical tentacles once again. And Brainiac also uses one of these other tentacles to grab the remote control from Static. They are, once again, having to be subjected to Brainiac's villainous rant. He shares that he wants to um, digitize all the stuff, bring it closer to him so he can analyze it. And this is when Static is just demanding now to see where Richie is. And this is when Brainiac shows us that what was being created for him before was a full, I guess, like an exoskeleton um, that he controls. However, he has Richie being held in there. Um, you know, a really cool thing, too, that I just thought was like a really, I don't know if this was truly a callback to it, but as Richie was like truly possessed by Brainiac, he started collecting more and more robotic features on his face. It kind of reminded me of um, the woman from Superman 3. And Oh, I yeah. yeah, so I was like wondering, but now this time around, those features are completely gone. I think it's probably because it maybe it helped with forming this body that Brainiac had. And you know, luckily enough, that the same way that I was just rambling on about this, uh, Brainiac was also rambling on about his about his villainous about his um plans, and this gives Static an opportunity to fire off a bolt of lightning to so precise that it pressed the power off button on the remote. And now I want this skill so badly. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if you just knocked out the batteries because, you know, remotes were very fragile back then, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, one fall, they were like basically like <laughs> they were a thousand pieces. <laughs> but luckily, even though Brainiac said, humans, you're in my house, Static shut him down and said, this is my house now. I'm the captain. And Brainiac shuts down. They grab Richie and just, oh, this is, I don't, I don't know why I found this so funny, but as they're exiting the ship, they're like, make sure there's no trace of Brainiac. And John Jones and Green Lantern just destroy everything <laughs> in that ship. They just go ham. Every, everything that is electronic, they destroy. It is glorious. Yeah, I, I this was just really cool, mainly because it's just I've never really seen um, moments in which John Jones was dealing with this much technology and just like wrecking it and going ham like this. So it's kind of cool now to see kind of his full strength being used here and not just being John Stewart has to clean up or actually more create the mess. But they head on over to the abandoned gas station of Solitude. Uh, John is doing a mind scan on Richie, trying to confirm that there's no trace of Brainiac left in there, and also checking where his the little Romeo CD that he lent Virgil is at. Um, that was important to Virgil. He asked for that to be checked on as well. <laughs> Crucial. And Batman and Hawkgirl are also scanning backpack just to make sure there's no trace of Brainiac. And this is here when they get the all clear. Brainiac is no longer in Dakota. 
he has been wiped out of all the system. So they're feeling good about this. So as they're talking, once again, Richie's just basically thanking the league. He's like, yo, I couldn't have been saved without you. And I'm really glad I got an opportunity to be a part of this experience. But then they immediately flip it and say that, like, you know, you should really be thanking your friend here because he really went up to bat for you. Uh, because there's that one point earlier in the episode when the league were basically straight like, yo, if we got to sacrifice Richie, we got to sacrifice Richie. So luckily, though, Green Lantern, he was just like, you know, I had sided on that. So I'm glad you have a friend like, like Static and, you know, really hoping that when he joins the league in the future, this, you know, get to see more, more of this. And I just love the fact that Static has job security here. Um, I don't know about Richie. I don't, I don't think maybe. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's a package deal or not. Like, but, we'll see how this gear turns out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now as the league leaves, you know, they are, they give some more compliments. They league leaves. And this is when we just end our episode here. Our crossover comes to an end. So now we have to ask the question about, you know, how did you feel about this episode? How did it feel for this crossover event? The highest compliment I can give it. I'm going to give it, which it felt like an episode of Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. Where you take a hero that is not always utilized, you know, basically your questions, your huntresses, your your black canaries, you find a mission for them where it suits their abilities and talents. And then you build the episode around that without Mm cheapening the other characters because everyone feels strong everyone feels unique but the fact is that this was a very specific mission where static was needed and but it didn't feel like they were pandering to work static in um they they really they really put him front and center and i as the, the best comparison i can think of is uh best comparison i can think of is book of boba fett giving it as vague as I can, a character comes into the show with a skill set that is somewhat redundant <laughs> to other assassins <laughs> on the show and kind of t- steals attention from Boba Fett. And it feels very, it's, it feels like they've taken over the show. But here, it, Static has such a distinct skill set that he doesn't overpower the other League members the other league members don't overpower him. So it does feel like an equal partnership. And I think that's what's great about this crossover. Yeah, agreed. Especially because something that that I was expecting after watching this episode, I caught myself saying, where was Superman? Like, mm-hmm. Brainiac is a Superman villain. Like, you can't have a Brainiac story arc without some mention of Krypton or even just Supergirl at least. I mean, heck, you even even take crypto. Um, You know, it's wild that we were able to create a story where Brainiac is a main villain and not have Superman in it whatsoever. And it still worked alongside them because, yeah, you had the Justice League with the knowledge of who Brainiac is and all that. But then you have both Static and Gear, both of their power sets match up very well to the issue that Brainiac is producing. Like, the, the the intelligence, the technological know-how, all of that ties in with, with gear. And then you have the fact that it's so many different robots and um, electrical interfaces and all that. You got static. So it's just like Brainiac somehow wasn't expecting this 
is a good villain for Static and Gear. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's a perfect counterpoint. You couldn't have picked anyone better. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't put pair him up against like Vandal Savage. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> he would. I think they would have gotten murked on on like minute one. Actually, that would have been bad. Vandal or Raish? Raish would have killed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but, put them in a Lazarus pit. <laughs> just do it again. <laughs> this is Naruto. This is uh, basically Itachi just sending you through years and years of pain. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's wild to, to see that we were able to create this really awesome Justice League Unlimited feeling episode for Static and Gear. In the last couple of episodes of season three, it did seem like there was a bit of growing pains, especially with the whole shebang arc. Like, you know, a lot of it seemed like they were still trying to get acclimated to being the new superheroes that they are now and the the duo that they are now. But this one was just like to bring them up to this level for what many would count as a maybe. I guess like a preliminary crisis event. Like if it went further, this could definitely have been a crisis event to have it now be in that like Brainiac, who is such a big figure in the Superman animated series and the Superman story in general. So to have him go toe to toe with these two newcomers, it's awesome. I'm glad that we got this story and this crossover. I know that we were supposed to get a, um, I mentioned it previously, we we're supposed to get a teen Titans and static crossover. So I think that this still works because static has always only dealt with Batman and at times it was good, but then comic book wise, when that happens, Batman just creates a team of outsiders. And the more that static was dealing only with Batman, he probably would have long-term only ended up on this outsiders team. I don't think he would have made it into the justice league. To have it now be that like they got a chance to show the Justice League what they can do and how they act and how serious they are as heroes. This is what I'm looking forward to for the history of Static and why this event needed to happen. These episodes really just showing how important Static can be to the DC Universe if you just give them the chance. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've been pleading for for years. Uh, So you know, hopefully, if any executives are questioning, where would Static fit in with all these other heroes? Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to make that Cyborg movie, uh, why don't we get to Static? Yes. So that was our episode. And there isn't much comic book knowledge that I can drop here. Except this one big character, because I realized we have never talked about him because he wasn't in the... Uh, our season one run through of the DCAMU films. Carmen Dello. <laughs> Man, one of these days I'm going to find this Carmen Dello comic for you, even if I have to create it. <laughs> but no, we are talking about Brainiac today. This is one of his biggest moments in the animated universe. Um, he has a lot of stories dealing either in the Justice League show, mostly on Unlimited, but also in the animated series for Superman. But that's mainly because he is hands down one of Superman's greatest enemies. Probably, I mean, if he really had to put it, it's like up, he's like up there with like Doomsday and Lex Luthor for most like iconic he- villains that Superman's ever faced off against. In fact, he is so bad, he is so evil that in 2009. He was ranked number seven team in the greatest villains of all time list. 
you know, you got Joker, you got Reach. That's mm-hmm. a pretty, pretty good place to be. Yeah. You know, and especially just given his story, which we find out and kind of see like a bit of different iterations in. Um, so back in 1958, that he was he premiered in Action Comics number 242. Uh, he was cre- created by Otto Binder and Al Plastino. And in this story, it is very much kind of very similar to what we know iconically about Brainiac. He faces off against Superman. He is this, he presents himself as this alien who um, takes cities and shrinks them. In this particular comic, he had already shrunk Manhattan, Metropolis, and um, also another location. And that's what led to him crossing paths with Superman. The idea of Brainiac came from Plastino and Binder wanting to create a mean genius. So that's why they went with, they combined the names of Brain and Maniac to create evil genius here. And that is how Brainiac got his name. That is so obvious. And I've never put that together. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's even funnier? There is no mention, at least this has been going back and forth, that the term Brainiac that we use now actually came from this DC villain. There was no no um, no record of the word Brainiac prior to this comic book creation. Hmm. Looks like comics once again leading the way to education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's right there. Like there's some people who contest this because there is a machine that is called the ENIAC machine. Is one of the first computers, but. Um, you know, I feel like when you have an actual Brainiac name here and no one was using it until this comic had dropped, that, that's where it came from. And in Action Comics number 242, that intro comic that he had, again, he was this greenish alien who had um, bald, who was bald and once again kind of looked like how he looks like in the Krypton television series or um, I think also Legion of Superheroes, the animated series, also did a very similar green look to him. And he wanted to shrink these cities. He wanted to recreate his former planet that he had rule over. And he wanted to do so by taking all these like really popular cities throughout the cosmos, specifically ended up being on Earth, and found, find out what worked for them. Like, why were they so... Um, magnificent and flourishing because for his home, the fact that he lost it and the fact that he was ruling over it, he felt a little bit of responsibility to bring it back. So Superman decided to go fight up against him. Unfortunately, Superman did get caught in one of these shrinking rays. And that is actually where we find out about Kandor. So Kandor is the lost city of Krypton where um, prior to the destruction of Krypton, uh, it seems that Brainiac actually had grabbed it right before the planet blew up and has been holding on to it this entire time until Superman was able to save them and bring them back to his fortress of solitude so he could find out a way to grow the city back to its normal size. Wow, that's uh, one advanced snow globe they got there. <laughs> so... Again, because the comics, though, the story was retconned in 1964 in um, Superman issue number 167. And that is where we actually see the lined markings on his head. So in our episode of Static, we saw that everybody that was taken over by Brainiac had his little logo there, which is like the 
the V that was basically the the circles at the very ends of where they the lines met. Um, and this is because this is when they introduced the the idea that Brainiac is actually not an alien, but rather a machine that was created by these colonizing tyrants from the planet Kolu. And these dots were actually the dials that connected to his um, nervous system. And it was just such a cool stylistic look to him that people just decided to keep it throughout the years because it's just like really, you know, it's like branding. They were able to create a logo that as soon as you saw it, you recognized that it was connected to Brainiac. And since then, people have just toyed around with it a lot, especially with creating the designs. So it looks like red dots on his head. Now we have um, the coolest part about Brainiac, which I love the most, is that ship. It is so cool. And it looks like a mechanical tentacruel. Like, <laughs> it's everything I love, I love about it. It's actually an extension of his own being. It was created... Um, after DC Comics started to like fail a little bit because during um, the Bronze Age, like the sales of comics started to go down. Uh, so they tried to reinvent everything and including to the point where instead of making Brainiac look this greenish way, they made him look more metallic and definitely more sinister and also created the ship for him, which um, he was able to manipulate and do the same things that he did in this episode, the Static Shock. However, once crisis happened, they completely changed up the way he looked there, but were able to keep the ship. So I, I think that that just became such a cool part about Brainiac's story that just made sense to keep it in this day and age. And why I think at this point, you've probably seen it pop up in the DCAU at least three times. Yeah, I think so. It's just a classic design. Mm-hmm. And finally, the most important comic that I could recommend to read for any kind of Brainiac story arc is the Action Comics 866 through 870 by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. This comic, uh, titled Superman and Brainiac, basically created the Brainiac story and really kind of finalized it. It took all the elements of what we talked about here, his um, greenish looking skin, um, the markings that he has on his head and his ship and finally made it that these were all connected into this one story, even to the point where they are connecting all the other versions of him throughout time and history and crisis events. And we're saying that like, these were all different versions of him that popped up throughout history. And it's been used so often that the story is what influenced like the show Krypton. Um, it's something that we also see a lot of the paneling you could actually see in um, Superman Unbound, the, um, the animated movie, and even to the point where it was included in the Injustice 2 game, um, not the Injustice movie. We don't talk about that movie. Mm-mm. We don't talk about <laughs> that, Bruno. <laughs> but my favorite thing that came out of that comic was the fact that um, <laughs> Brainiac's a germaphobe. Ah, so he too is defeated by 99% of germs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because what happened here in that story, Superman was able to push him out of his ship and he fell into a swamp. And this is when we found out that Brainiac is highly allergic to any kind of bacteria and disease because his ship created such a sterile environment that he had no immunity to anything that was outside of it. And that is what ended up killing him in that story arc. 
And it's something that uh, I don't think we have seen in other iterations, I think, because it does sound a little ridiculous, but it does. It is kind of cool knowing that, like, basically, um, Brainiac might be a mask wearer. Yeah. And like Swamp Thing would be his mortal nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I would definitely pay to see that battle of the green. <laughs> Swamp Thing just shows up. It's like, what? No. <laughs> it just shuts it down. <laughs> He just like waves his hand real quick and it's just like ah but yeah the i was i really wanted to see why was it that um we never actually talked about brainiac mainly because um in new 52 they kind of introduced him during the superman doomed story arc where superman becomes doomsday he gets infected by a virus that kind of like turns him into it and there are moments in that story that um, Brainiac was very a big part of. And then we find out that the main reason why he was collecting these small places in this way is because he thinks that the collective knowledge of all the people there have the ability to give him the ability to basically bend time and space to his will. Okay, anti-life. <laughs> Thank Equation you. Kind yeah, of guy. yeah. And that's why we did not include them into the to the animated films that we talked about in our first season. And I realize that now because it really would have just been Brainiac versus Dark Side versus uh Dark Side versus Trigon, the fight that we really wanted to see. Versus Carmen Delo. I I get you. <laughs> I get you. Four-way grudge match till the end. <laughs> But yeah, that's all our comic book stuff here. Uh, Brainiac has a lot of cool stuff, especially just in the Superman animated series. There's a lot of, you know, it's really kind of cool to see a character who is a villain because he is this smart. Uh, I know we have like Lex Luthor and all that, but this guy, Brainiac, is just on a whole other level compared to that. Yeah, uh, that's our episode. So um, we got a lot more stuff coming on for season three uh unfortunately no more crossover episodes for the foreseeable season but we have a great number of returning cast members especially carmen delos coming through hopefully they get some more soundtracks to their song and until then take care of yourselves and remember that if you want to take pictures because you see your idol hanging around or something bring a backup camera Yes, and always, always carry around a flash drive full of LimeWire files, just in case you need to stop an evil AI. <laughs> yes, we, wish we, we learned that from Y2K. <laughs> <laughs>now that we've finished talking about our dc animated content here are some recommended readings for you all these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall and tell them andrew and shamar sent you the first comic on our list is superman brainiac this arc taking place in action comics numbers 866 through 870 was released in 2008 by jeff johns and gary frank it's probably the most definitive story in the history of brainiac as it combines his original stories while adding more context in the contemporary retelling. It will end up inspiring many versions of the Brainiac character in the future, like in versions of Krypton and our next adaptation for our list, Superman Unbound. The 2013 animated film pulls right from the comic as we see Superman and Supergirl face off against Brainiac when he comes to Earth. 
finally, we're taking it back to where you probably have your most Brainiac knowledge with Superman the Animated Series. The second series created within the DCAU Denny Timverse shows the most cold and calculated version of Brainiac that we know and love, especially in the episodes Stolen Memories from Season 1 Episode 8, Ghost in the Machine from Season 2 Episode 9, and New Kids in Town Season 3 Episode 8. But don't worry, his journey continues later on in episodes of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening and be sure to rate, review, and follow yet another DC animated podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news on upcoming content. Take care and we'll see you for the next issue.